Let's see here. Insert. Where's the damn image? This is just. What? This is just one thing. One thing to do. Did uh, you got that email right, Steve? Of about the uh, 2011 uh, top five albums, 2011. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> What's the top five albums of 2011? Uh, it's a blog post I'm working up. Just my choices from my favorite albums of this year. Uh, Stan Bush, Stan Bush, uh-oh. Stan Bush. Fuck Nobody you. Nobody asked you. <laughs> Fuck you, Ben. Besides, he didn't have a new album this year. It was last year. <laughs> I thought he had the albums every year. That's no, he had one in 2007 and 2010. Most artists do two or three years apart. Yeah, you candy ass. Except for the Beatles, they did like twenty in like four years. That's because so. but nobody's talking about the Beatles. That's that's right. everybody talks about the Beatles. Beatles blow. <laughs> I respect them for what they did musically, but I could give a shit they blow. less. I honestly could give a shit less about the fucking Beatles. They have a couple of good songs that I like. Other than that, whatever. They can blow. You said that three times. That's because he's maybe because it's true. <laughs> Plus, a lot of uh, a lot of the music acts back then released like an album every year. It's yeah, there, yeah. There's a huge years difference. Of- the difference now is the difference between back then and now. Back yeah. then, most artists and bands would rather be in the studio perfecting albums, whereas now everything's all about promotion and getting out on tour and getting your shit heard. Yeah. I mean, I know bands that'll go to on tour for like two and a half years. For, for for the latest album, and then they won't produce a new one until you know four years later. Hey Neil, remember the episode of Judge Judy with uh with Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols? Oh yeah, that was that was excellent. That yeah, that was and he won that. So who here watched the video game awards? Not me. Fuck. I that. heard about it. Fuck but that. Fuck them. That that was so fucking lame. That show sucked. If you if you if you were watching and you saw Paul Dini tweeting, he was tweeting <coughs> rep- replying to me. Oh, all right. Tunecast beyond and the Geekcast Radio Network do not support the opinions of Ben Carver <laughs> on. Any show. <laughs> you aren't really writing that. You never what know. Fucking bet. It is, it is Mike. I'd pay him to do it, except I don't have any cash. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Web Comic Beacon, a topical web comics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Webcomic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever-tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before webcomics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome again to Animation Fish Now is crossing over with Tooncast Beyond. Uh, we are continuing our look through the DC animated original movies. Uh, once again, uh, 
I am your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. Salutations. That's <laughs> it? I, uh, I usually I, expect I'm... something a little bit more epic from you every time he introduces you. Well, I've just been kind of, like, sitting back. And, you know, <laughs> and from a Tooncast Beyond, we have with us TFG1 Mike. Hello. And also from Tooncast Beyond, we have uh, Steve Megatron. Hello. And tonight we'll be talking about the Superman-Batman uh, Apocalypse, which I'll, I'll start this off as saying that this is adapted by another Jeff Loeb uh, rag. Was it Loeb? I don't think it wasn't Loeb it, this time, was it? Or did it was Loeb, Loeb the entire run? It was Loeb the entire Superman-Batman run, yes. Okay, maybe it's because it's different art. That's yes, it's, it's it's Michael Turner's art. You, okay, that's where I was getting the difference from. Yeah. You exchange one guy who draws Dragon Ball Z-style male <laughs> bodies with a guy that draws only one face. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, I know Michael Turner's dead and he has a fan following, but Michael Turner can only draw one face. And... Uh, and this one is, in my opinion, the first the first Superman Batman trade paperback at Public Enemies was just kind of silly and stupid. And the, and like I said, that the animated movie was Bruce Tim fixing all the errors. This you know the second one didn't have as many outright stupid errors in the actual original writing, but overall I just didn't find the plot very satisfying. Uh, Neil, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I've never actually read the comic, and, uh, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really that familiar with Michael Turner. Uh, the characters didn't look that bad to me. I, okay, Superman's face was kind of not my favorite Superman, but. At least there wasn't a dent in his face. Oh, yeah, yeah. At least he didn't have, like, childhood <laughs> acne that permanently left him disfigured. <laughs> but, yeah, he did kind of have, like, the wide Batman jaw that only Batman should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah. you know, Batman looked okay, and Wonder Woman certainly looked okay. And, uh... Darkseid looked terrible, though. I don't know. The only time that the faces really got caught me off guard was, uh... What was it? Was it Lila? Was that her name? Yeah. Yeah, she wakes up in bed, I'm like, who the hell was that? Because <laughs> she hadn't really been introduced, and... And, you know, you don't know who the character is because, you know, she's not as familiar as Batman, Superman, or Wonder Woman. So, you know, I was just, I I didn't understand that scene at all until, like, maybe ten minutes later. <laughs> well, well, to me, it's... Uh... <laughs> It, it's, it's just, it's just a really weird premise because this whole premise of this book is basic. Well, end movie, pardon me, end movie is to introduce the concept of, uh, Kara Zorel back into the, back into the post-crisis continuity into the post-crisis fans. Uh, for people who don't know, I'm going to give a very, very brief, uh, overview of what Supergirl was like in the comics before this. There was, a, there was no Supergirl because DC for 10 years had a mandate that Superman is the sole survivor of Krypton. There is no other Kryptonians. There's no dogs. There's no horses. There's no cats. There's no monkeys. It's just Superman. And that, of course, means no cousin. So the animated series was able to get by this with, as everyone knows, Kara and Z, which was, uh, which was from Argos, not technically Kryptonian. Right. The, uh, but for years, you know, there was, there was an issue. So the original Supergirl, post-crisis Supergirl, was a shapeshifter from a pocket dimension named Matrix. Oh, good lord. This is exactly why I do not read comics. Because they're so <laughs> convoluted and yes. screwed up. It gets better. 
It gets better. Um, oh. Matrix was around for a while, and it was kind of exciting because you know she she was a shapeshifter, and it was kind of fun. And then and then she sort of lost her shapeshifting powers when she merged with a dying woman named Linda Danvers, oh. and then she became the Earth Angel. Yeah, I remember that. And this is when Peter David was writing her, and uh, Peter David had some interesting ideas with that. And uh, basically, this Supergirl had to go away. And pretty much vanished overnight because because then all of a sudden it's like you know hold it hold it we're going to introduce the post the pre crisis Supergirl origin again for a, a new Supergirl so uh, Peter David you and uh, Linda whatever her name is Earth Angel whatever she goes away now and pretty much that's what happened and the origin pretty much is very similar to the uh, to the pre crisis origin you know she comes she arrives at Earth fully grown in a you know, except the whole premise of the movie, just like the comic, is everybody's fighting to to get her. You know, the Amazons want her. You know, Dark Side wants her. Superman wants her. And boy, that just sounds wrong. <laughs> that but, sounds so wrong, dude. <laughs> but that is the premise. Am I wrong? Well, he wants her to find her own path. He doesn't want her to be used by either the Amazons or Darkseid, obviously. That, that's true, but the, the like I said, the whole point is everybody sees her as like a power player. Everyone sees her as like a power player that they want to get her and influence her, and obviously Superman's motives are the most pure, but at the same time, it's everybody wanting her. Yeah. What about you, Steve? What were your initial um, thoughts on the movie? Um, I wasn't particularly thrilled with the animation style right off the bat. Yeah. Um, the, I didn't mind marriage. it so much. What's that? Yeah, I was about to say, but I'll let you continue. I'm sorry. Um, I, I much preferred the public enemies over this, uh, just because it was more Justice League and Batman animated series over this. I just, I didn't care for this particular style. Um, but the overall premise of it wasn't bad. But there was just, I don't know, at points it seemed like there was too much going on. Yeah. I honestly, going back and watching Public Enemies in this back-to-back, I honestly prefer this animation style because Public Enemies, Superman's face looked horrible. It just <laughs> was bad. I mean, I just was... prefer Batman over and the right. other one over but, this. But, 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 but even, even that, though, Steve, because Batman's face in this looks a hell of a lot better than it does, at least to me it does, in, in this than it does in Public Enemies. And pu- the, the animation style in Public Enemies was so weird to me. It wasn't even close to DCAU style at all. It was closer than th- what this is. <clears throat> but this doesn't hurt your eyes. <laughs> no, this, this bothered me. Did it? <laughs> yeah. Um, any other comic stuff you want to get out of the way, Ben? Well, not really. I think I think those are the major points. Like I said, this doesn't have as much outright stupidity as <laughs> Public Enemies does because I think someone reread Public Enemies and someone realized, you know, what what happens when you have, give jo- Jeff Loeb that much control. Yeah. And thankfully, this one doesn't have Superman offering robot sex dolls to teenagers. So close enough. Oh my god. Um, the only thing there's only a couple of things I don't like about about this film. Um, first of all, I would have preferred if it was either Tim Daly or George Newbern. Or no, wait, what? 
Yeah, wait. This was Tim Daly, wasn't it? No, yeah, I was going to say. Are you talking I'm, about? I'm, I'm, yeah, this, this was Tim Daly. I'm, I'm thinking of All-Star. I, I just finished watching All-Star. I'm thinking of All-Star. <laughs> Fired. Anyway, shut up. Um, I like that they brought back Daly, Conroy, and Eisenberg. And, and Asner. I, huh? And Asner. Right, but as far as them being the big three of the voices of, of, of those three characters... Um, <clears throat> I like the playfulness between the three of them because they're all friends and all that. Um, Ed Asner as Granny Goodness has always creeped me the hell out, and that's what he's supposed to do as Granny Goodness. It's hilarious. It is. It it it's very hilarious. I think because this version of Granny is a little bit more off kilter. Well, she's a little bit more off kilter, so his voice came out more male than female. I think in this one. Um, I don't have an issue with it. The only real voicing that I have an issue with, while he's an excellent, excellent actor, why did they get Andre Brower to do Dark Side? Why? He, he, he doesn't have any power in his voice. He doesn't. I mean, at all. He has power in his voice when he's on screen acting, when he, when you're actually seeing him with his voice, but him in voiceover just doesn't work. I don't know why they couldn't have gotten Michael Ironside. That would have been awesome if they could have. Um, yeah, it would. But I just... That's the only thing that takes me out of this movie. I will say that all the fight scenes are great. Um, I posted on Facebook the, uh, the the infamous Supergirl shopping picture. Neil commented on it because I... Oh, I, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said they should have had this. If they had this throughout the entire movie, I probably would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, if and I were, said I, if that was the case, I would never finish the movie. <laughs> I'd keep freeze-framing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I like the beginning dress, that, that black number she had on when they were shopping. I didn't really care for the bikini part of it later in Dark. I don't know. It just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. But um, the action in this is great. The scenes are great. The fights are great. Honestly, the first time I watched this, and even now when I watched it before we started the record... Um, I thought when they went back to Smallville, movie was over. I thought it was over. And then all of a sudden, Darkseid's hand comes out of the floor. Oh, and I was like, oh my god, are you serious? This is not over yet? Because I seriously thought it was over when they went back to the farm. And then, boom, there's Darkseid showing up kicking ass. Um, Getting his ass kicked. Okay, well, he's kicking ass at first. I mean, he launches, he basically Omega Beams Superman into the sun. Um, and then of course, Kara kicks his ass afterwards. I, I don't know. I just, I really like this movie mainly for the action scenes. The story is, is fairly well told. Uh, the voice acting is great for me. Other than that, I mean, that's really my only thoughts on it as far as the actual film. Um, what about you, Ben? What, okay, what else? I'm going to try to con- not contain you here, but I'm going to try to organize you a little bit. What is it exactly that you don't like about this movie? Is it the story? Is it is it the action? What is it that you think makes this a bad film? To me, it's the fact that the the there in in the idea of story, there really isn't that much story, except for you have something that substitutes story as a way to supplant you to the next action scene, mm-hmm. and that's what this is. This is this is just let's get to the next action scene. Okay, we're done with the action scene. Let's get to the next action scene. I mean, I like action, but 
But you know, you know, personally to me, I I don't like when they try to adapt every famous current comic book artist art style in, into a mishmash with Bruce Timm's art style. And you know, like I said earlier, I'm not a big fan of Ted, uh, not Ted, uh, Michael, Michael Turner's artwork. If it was Ted Turner, he'd colorize everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, uh... Nowadays, it would be 3D. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, bad. And and I don't think the mismatch works. And then there's also that scene where Batman is in the action figure armor on Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. I like that scene for one simple reason. Because you have the action figure. No. Damn. The only reason why I like that scene on Apocalypse when he's flying around is when the dogs first come out and he's like, damn. Because it's so refreshing to hear Kevin Conroy curse as Batman. <laughs> he does in the Arkham games. <laughs> he also he also cursed in in Gotham Knight somewhere, so there. Yeah, but Gotham Knight is nothing but six individual stories that have no Blow. continuity whatsoever. That's true, but like I said, it's you know, like I said, it's just the fact that if you it, it it's like this. There, there's such a thing as adaptation decay. But every time I see every time I see Bruce Tim picking something that is like a masterpiece to begin with and try to adapt it, there, I know he's doing his damnedest. And like I said, I always give him credit for doing his damnedest. And this one certainly has less flaws than than the other Superman Batman title, but it it just still leaves me so underwhelmed watching it because because it still has the every element of that story I didn't like to begin with and and unlike under the red hood you know they keep, they kept so much of that they kept so much of that story in there that it's still not enjoyable for me and i guess that's because i read the original book and wasn't impressed with it i guess that I, that i'm jaded because of that i'm sorry if i am but that's that's how i am well, and that's fine um I think just coming from someone or, well, and, and Steve can attest to this too after I finish this thought. I, I think coming from us who just mainly watch the animation, this is on par with some of the other good DC Universe animated movies. Um, this isn't bad. Like, this isn't Doomsday bad. This isn't Gotham Knight bad. Um, <laughs> no. no, I'll agree to that. <laughs> I, I mean, this movie. It does have its flaws. It, you know, but it just, I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed it for what it was. Even, even without having read the comic, even if I go back and read the comic now, I don't care. I'm still going to enjoy the movie. In the comic, there's a scene where Superman uses his heat vision and cuts dark side, side open and it reveals he's filled with cotton candy. This is exactly why I don't read comics, ladies and gentlemen. Because they're fucking stupid. <laughs> okay, it's. I'm sorry. I just had to reveal that part because that's I remember fine. reading it. it I, I, oh, I kept on looking at that page trying to figure out oh, what that's, Mike that's was fine. trying to I, tell us the reader was happening. Was Sir, what you're saying pink? is he ate a Powerpuff Girl. <laughs> uh, and uh, I also have to say that this this story is the beginning of what I call the pussification of Darkseid. The pussification. Nice. If it's not <laughs> in in animation. <laughs> In, in animation, if it's not Michael Ironside, Darkseid does not mean anything to me whatsoever. Well, well, like I said, it's just the fact that he was physically beaten. I mean, there's that scene where Superman was going, doing super speed tornadoes around him, and like was yeah. like doing that shit to his face. I mean, yeah, that was that was bullshit. I mean, 
the whole idea of Darkseid is he's a physical villain that could physically challenge Superman. But if you have every time he shows up, Superman just pones his ass. It's you can't take it seriously anymore. And that that's that's the problem. And this story was the beginning of the pacification. From an animation standpoint, Steve, what other things did you like or didn't like about this one? Um, animation wise, as far uh, as I... just animation in general, as far as it being an anim- animated movie, not really the style, but just the movie as far as being a cartoon itself. What did what did or didn't you like about this one? Um, I like that they gave some other people like uh, Batman some balls in this, uh, as far as. Uh, having him uh, basically blackmail Darkseid. Yeah, that telling was... Him that, yeah, I've activated the Hell Spores. It'll destroy your planet. You know, Bluff. do what I tell you or else. So, but and it was funny seeing Darkseid go, okay, you've outsmarted me. I'll let you go with that. You know, but um, I like the animation for the, you know, as far as like how it's going through the storyline. Mm-hmm. I still hate Batman's design in this, but the rest of them look... I'll I'll give you that they they look much better than public enemies other than that character. Yeah. Um I I think at points it kind of got, I don't know, either a little bit redundant of they're going to go try and kidnap ca- said character and then they lose and then they lose and then, you know, so I mean it's just kind of annoying seeing that happen over and over. Yeah. Um and then towards the end I I like the end fight scene. Although it, it, I have to agree, it was kind of just, it, it kind of sucked. I, I could have seen if Superman and Kara had beat Darkseid's ass, because Superman technically doesn't really go that far ever. Yeah. But it, as far as animation, I don't know what he does in the comics, and I quite frankly don't care. But um, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Because I, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Ball of wax there. So the only um, oh good. But but yeah, I'd I'd have to say that this movie overall was was enjoyable as a standalone separate thing. Yeah, and really the only thing that ties this to Public Enemies is the in, is the fact that you have the voice actors back and the beginning where they say, "Well, we're not going to talk about President Luthor's impeachment again." I mean, that's that's pretty much the only ties between this and and Public Enemies. Um, not that I want a Wonder Woman comic book history lesson, but just from watching Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, Paradise Island is women only, to my knowledge. What the hell are they doing allowing men on the island with Batman and Superman? That would never... And yeah. What, where the hell is Hippolyta? That would... As much as I like... She Diana, was dead. Oh, she was dead in this? Okay, well... Well, th- well, this happened after Our World's at War and Apollota died in Our World's at War, and you don't want to know about that. If you do, ask me now, I will tell you, but don't <laughs> because it was a stupid summer crossover event. Okay, she's dead. Okay, I, I, I understand that. I don't mind her not being there. I like that Diana is the ruler at this point, but can you explain to me in, like, 140 characters or less, why the hell they're allowing men on this island when it's always been said before there's no men allowed on there? I can't do it. I I can't do it in 140 characters or less because what you're asking for is to know the history of Themyscira in the comics. That is not easy. That's (laughs) not okay. I'll I'll try to do it in two minutes or less. Okay. Okay. (sighs) Sounds like he's getting ready for a hurdle here. It, it it is a hurdle. <laughs> I mean, okay, it all started break? when it, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, 
It all started when Diana died once in, in the line of duty and became the goddess of truth. And to, to punish her own mother, Hippolyta, for making her die, she turned her, she made her mother turn into Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman, and Hippolyta as Wonder Woman went back in time and became the Wonder Woman of the Just Society of America. She continued this until until uh, Diana became Wonder Woman again and forced her mother to go back to Themyscira, which she really didn't want to do. This continued onwards for several years, with both of them sort of sharing the duty of Wonder Woman, uh, but not really because it was mostly Diana, except for Hippolyta sometimes subbing. And then it all culminated to Our Worlds at War when they wore the metallic funky chicken armor to fight uh, Imperiax, which was a stupid story, and Hippolyta died. So Diana, Diana took the uh, reins of Themyscira and decided to open it up to the world. Oh, wow. And that was the abridged version. Okay, that... All right, that's that's what I mean. And plus, you know, Superman and Batman, I can see because technically they are her two best friends at this point. Yeah. Um, but still, when I for, just coming from the animation standpoint of watching cartoons and watching Justice League and and just learning of it through that, the first time I watched this, I was like, wait, why are the Amazons not attacking them? Because they're on the island, and there's you know, it's a lesbian island for crap's sake. Well, I think that's yeah. part of the problem is they they don't uh, no the lesbian thing's okay but the, <laughs> the problem the problem is this is so ingrained in the continuity of the comics it came from that they didn't they didn't change anything around at all for a new viewer and that's why you have these questions about wait what's what's the deal with that mascara because they didn't change anything around to make it fit with the perceptions of someone coming in fresh right. And you gotta admit that regardless of whether you're like it or not, that, that certainly brings true. Yeah, yeah. Um No, they just wanted to reproduce, so they needed some <laughs> good strong men. Alright, let's If you want if you want to really have your brain break, ask me about the ask me about when Clayface was briefly a Wonder Woman villain. Okay, next. No. Oh. Because he wanted to go bounce a wow wow. No, no. Clayface was wonder was a Wonder Woman villain because he wanted to steal some of the mystical clay she was made out of. Oh, well, that oh, makes sense. God. That makes so much sense. He wanted to become one with her Schwartz. Good lord. All right, let's talk about the cast a little bit. As as I goofed up before, because I was thinking about the other movie that we'll talk about later. You have Tim Daly, Kevin Conroy, and Susan Eisenberg reprising their roles. You have Ed Asner reprising his role. Um, this was a new Barda, wasn't it? It wasn't the same bar- voice of Barda as in Justice League and Batman Beyond, right? That was a new Barda. Yeah. She sounded similar to the old ones, but to the other ones that have been in animation before, but I kind of figured it was a new Barda. Um, no, 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 the old Barda was Farrah Fork. The, the one in the Apocalypse was Julianne Grossman. Oh. And, yeah, Farrah Fork did the Batman Beyond and Justice League Un- Unlimited. Right. You got Tara Strong in this as... Um, Lashina. As, as Lashina. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Andrea Romano as Stompa. <laughs> Andrea is a good sport. Even though she's a voiceover and casting director, she will... Lend her voice whenever it's needed. She will jump in. Yeah. Uh, overall, I, I like the voice cast outside of Darkseid. I, I mean, outside of Andre Brower. No disrespect to him as as an, uh, an actual actor, but his voice just does not fit Darkseid. I think if you had 
Michael Ironside back, or if you had anyone else doing it other than Andre Brower, it would have sounded a hell of a lot better, even with that crappy animation model on him. Maybe Lawrence Fishburne. That would have been fucking awesome. You want to talk about going into the Matrix? There you go. Red pill, blue pill, baby. What the hell? Um, I don't know. Neil, what did you think of the overall voice cast? Uh, I liked it. Um, I actually liked Ed Asner as... Uh, yeah. as- I do, I do great. too. Um, I just think I it's do. weird. <laughs> I was cracking up because I'm because I saw Ed Asner's name in the opening credits. I'm like, oh, uh, Perry White's going to be in this. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really the only standout to me, just because I'm so used to all the other characters. Right, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's Kevin Conroy and Tim Daly. Yeah, I know what to expect. Um. Yeah, that's really all I have to say about the voice cast. What about you, Steve? Um, I really like the voice cast that they chose for this. It was uh it was nice to see some of them come back and then uh the ones that they chose for the other ones. I mean, I agree with Darkseid not being as great as he could have been, but the rest of them were great. Yeah. And I thought Summer Glau did a really good version of Supergirl. Oh, hell yeah. Uh-huh. Um the only thing that really ticked me off about that character though was i want to be an earth girl and all that requires <laughs> is junk food and shopping ladies and gentlemen yeah, yeah but I kinda, that was i kind of like the idea that she's a little more uh you know immature girlish as opposed to wonder woman or any of the other well, female yeah. characters you know you you kind of got you got to kind of balance it out yeah yeah um and harbinger she was really just a harbinger of her, of her own death really I don't know how she didn't see that, but... <laughs> well, I think she did see that. Well, she, No, she saw it, but we, it, we were made to believe that it was Kara, not her. Oh, oh yeah. I don't, I don't know if she knew it was herself, because everyone was like, Harbinger has seen these visions of Kara, and it's Superman holding Kara in his arms. And it turns out... He took his cape and threw it over Harbinger, and 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 it was her dying, not uh, not Kara. Uh, ben, what do you think about the voice cast? It's a very good voice cast. It it's just you know you can get the best actors ever. You, you can get Liam Neeson in a movie, but it's still Battleship the movie. Oh jeez, God. <sighs> <laughs> I don't even know where to go from that. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I guess I can bring up the, uh, the trivia, or not the trivia, but the, uh, the box office stuff. So far, it has made $5,920,000 in, in change, and it has sold 357,000 units. Um, yeah, it still hasn't beaten Doomsday. I, I don't think, I'm not sure, I, honestly, at this point, as far as the gross for these films... The only thing that's probably going to beat Doomsday's nine, almost ten million dollars in gross sales is if they did the Killing Joke. I don't think so. It's the Killing Joke is is a story that's so incredibly dark, so incredibly, you know, it was written by it was written by uh, Alan Moore, and Alan Moore says it's his worst work. <laughs> no, he actually did. He actually yeah. said it's his worst work. I don't know. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's go ahead and rate this. I guess uh, for me, it's a three 
considering it's the only DC movie that's actually on Netflix at this point in time. Um, I did have it on DVD for a while, but I don't collect DVDs anymore. I, I would say if you're a collector of these movies, get the two-disc edition DVD. It is a good good DVD, but for me, it's a three. What about you, Steve? Um, I'd have to agree it's a three. Neil? I'll give it a three. It's it's worth watching, and I don't I don't think if if you pay money for it, I don't think you're gonna be out that much. But it's nothing I would actually own. Yeah, Ben, I would not own this. I watched it on Netflix streaming, and that's as much as I'd recommend it. That's a, that's a two, right? That's a three. <laughs> okay, that's a three. It's a three. I would not. It's like I said, it's a testament to Tim's work to to do adaptations of of lesser works, and this is a this is definitely a much better adaptation than than. Uh, than public enemies right yeah um it is on dvd as i said it's on blu-ray it's on um it's on two disc edition it's on single disc edition um now the the uh the two disc edition actually includes the short because as of last episode we they started including shorts on these movies first up we had specter now we had the green arrow short i actually kind of like this it didn't really do anything special to me. It, it, the Green Arrow short was, okay, Green Arrow's at an airport fighting some terrorists. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was it was nothing spectacular. It was kind of cool, but ultimately forgettable. I thought out of all of the voices for Green Arrow besides uh, Ken Schreiner, who did him in Justice League Unlimited... I thought Neil McDonough did a pretty good job. I mean, for what, a five, ten minute short? Did a pretty good job voicing Green Arrow. Um, you had Malcolm McDowell, uh, Steve Bloom as Count Vertigo, Gray Delisle as Black Canary, uh, John DiMaggio as Mercenary One, and April, as Ariel Winter, uh, as, uh, the princess. The shorts that they're doing on these movies now, it's just a bonus feature. I mean, the Jonah Hex short was good. The Spectre short was was okay. Um, this the one Jonah Hex short was better than this short. Okay, and that's that's fine. The Jonah Hex short was awesome, but I'm I'm just saying that as far as the voice cast and as far as the fact that these shorts are now included on this, it's just a bonus. I mean, you know, I don't know. Well, I know of one that we'll get to later, but. I don't know if any of these actual shorts that are on the DVDs, the actual short films, could be turned into one of these films. I, I, I just don't think that they have that kind of staying power. Jonah Hex, maybe, but as far as the other Spectre and the Green Arrow one, no. I mean, this is a nice little short animated film, and that's all it needs to be. So I think we are going to take a break here on Tooncast Beyond. We're going to go to some ads, and we will come back after that with uh, the overall final thoughts and the closing of the show. Tooncast will be back after these questions. You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you in your favorites. 
You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code KeyCast Radio when you register. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind? That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind? Every week on the Geekcast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Well, that's Tooncast. All right, we are back here on Tooncast Beyond and Animation Aficionados. Uh, ben, final thoughts on Apocalypse. My final thoughts is I would rather see... I would rather see them try to adapt work, more work other than anything by Loeb, or just try to do some more original stories. I mean, I like more original stories that are more abstract, based off of concepts of stories, based on doing full-on adaptations. And I think anytime they do a full-on adaptation, it's hit or miss. And you know, like I said, if they if it's more concept adaptation than straight-up adaptation, that's the strength of the Bruce Tim team. Yeah. What about you, Neil? Um. I'm just going to hit upon a couple things that I didn't touch on in the first part of the episode. Uh, I like I like the choreography in the in the movie. I thought the fighting was very good, even if I didn't particularly care for who was on the on the beating end. Um, and the thing I kind of didn't like was that you know Batman, you know he's he's a badass character, but sometimes they put him in these fights that. He has you know, no right he, being in. Yeah, yeah. When when the uh, when the army of doomsdays or no. A, no, I'm right. Doomsday. The Army of Doomsday showed up. I I was doing the the timeout hand signal, but uh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, it was it was an okay movie. Not my favorite, but you know I can't complain too much. Steve. Uh, overall, I'd say that it wasn't bad. Uh, not my favorite out of the DC animated universe uh, stuff, but um, I don't hate it either. Like some other ones. Yeah. Uh, definitely a watch but not really an own. Yeah. For me, that's one thing we actually never even mentioned in the earlier part of the episode. It was the Doomsday Army. Yeah. Doomsday Army did a hell of a lot more in this movie than they ever did in Superman, than, than Doomsday ever did in his own fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, overall, they, go ahead, Neil, what? I was going to say, they went down like bitches, though. They were just 
because they had I was like, blood. Yeah, I know, but still, I was like, well, so much for... I know they were a diversion, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, overall, I would recommend this just for the returning voice actors. Um, I do like, you know, seeing Barda in an extremely strange circumstance. <laughs> That that was kind of weird to me, uh, but overall, I think it was it was fairly well done. And if you're you know if you're the everyday mainstream audience, it, it it's good for you. If you're a comic book reader like some people on this show, you're probably gonna hate it. Well, you know what? Even you confessed that you, as not a comic book fan, were confused by some points. So I think that's not fair to just say that 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 this was a perfect movie because even you had to stop and question the mascara. So that shows that this was tied too much into the continuity to begin with. I I think that's not very fair. Did I at any point in this episode say, it's a tan, a fucking tan? Not at all. (laughs) I, I fully agree. This is, my point here is, is that it's not the best movie they could have made, but out of all the ones they've done to this point, it's not the worst, most unwatchable thing. Ever. That's true. Okay, that's that's certainly true. This isn't the worst by a long shot. There's at least Gotham Knights. two and a half <laughs> that are worse. Yeah. Um, overall, for what it is on its own, it, it's good. Yes, there are going to be questions, as I have had. And honestly, what's going to draw a lot of people to this is the returning voice actors, just to hear them do their voices again, I think. Um, at least fans from the DC Animated Universe stuff would be. So, Thank you for joining us here on Tooncast Beyond and Animation Aficionados Crossover. There are several ways to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show. Visit the websites, geekcastradio.com and animationaficionados.com. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. Please do this. Follow us on Twitter. The show name there is Tooncast Beyond. Mine is TF2 and Mike. Steve, what is your Twitter? SCP21. Neil. Il Saba. Ben, what's the AA Twitter? A aficionados. Follow us on, uh, or become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast or radio network and facebook.com slash animation. Fuck. God damn it. What? what? Something happened. Somebody drop. Nope. No. That was weird. Well, I'm recording too. Well, no, I'm I'm still recording, but that was just extremely weird because my recorder window flashed on my on my taskbar and it was like somebody dropped or something. That was so fr- Oh, I know what it was. Some unknown phone number called into my Skype. Fucking hell. Hate when oh. that shit happens. Bloody hell. All right, that so never happens. I'm going to restart with the Facebook shit. <clears throat> Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast or radio network and facebook.com slash animation aficionados. Call the voicemail line. Tell us the show you're leaving the message for and your name. 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tooncast Beyond and Animation Aficionados and wish you'll join us next time when we will be continuing the DC Universe animated movie spotlight with All-Star Superman. One of the greatest movies ever. I'd rather watch Doomsday at that point. For now, I am TFG and Mike with TV's Mr. Neil, Steve Megatron Phillips, and Ben the host. God, thank you for listening. Until next time. Goodbye. I've just completely, I've just completely thrown off the night. <laughs>
Yeah, that's the only thing I did right. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Ben's good night, but good night. So yeah, this is going to be uh, the supplementary episode at the end of uh, this week's Tooncast crossover because uh, we ran out of material with Kitty Hawk. <laughs> and uh, actually, actually, uh, a couple weeks from now we're going to have Bob Mackey from uh, from Retronaut, so maybe we can uh, you know get some extra audio from him just talk about like tech and shit. But uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, uh, Geekcast Radio Network put up this uh, year in review episode. And it was it was pretty good, except it was like four hours long, and I had to listen I had to listen to it in like three parts. Makes you uh, makes you long for Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? Oh God, no! This was like this is like the same length as like the extended version of uh, Return of the King. But anyway, um, well, I, there's a couple of things in this episode. First, uh, Blanchard has this thing about anime, and I'm not I'm not really picking on Blanchard specifically but it's just kind of like this thing nowadays where people think that anime is this uh this weeaboo thing where it's like uh silly characters with spiky hair and giant sweat drops and they fall down for no reason and stuff like that Kameha. yeah that and what i'm not i'm not really targeting blanchard here but uh the thing the thing about people nowadays is that they 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 seem to not understand that back Back in like the early '90s and mid '90s, what was cool about anime was not was not the weeaboo crap. It was uh, it was it was much more globalized. Where it definitely had a Japanese style, but it was not Japanese in culture. It could be well, they still it could they still they still do stuff like that, but not as much. I mean, like the stuff that was coming out back then. Even though like uh, Vampire Hunter D is kind of overrated, it still had that 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 cross culture appeal. Where it just because it was about it was like about a vampire hunter, and you know there there are movies out here that are about that, and uh, and it kind of it kind of also kind of meshed with the '80s vibe because a lot of the '80s cartoons were animated in Japan, and and that's that's kind of what I try to get across to people about old Japanese animation. It's like it's the stuff that you grew up with if you grew up in the '80s, and I always I always push for Captain Tyler and Gogo Thirteen and Crusher Joe and stuff like that, and especially Macross. So uh, and then at the end of the episode. Um, speaking of '80s cartoons, you know, you know that that one uh, that one geek cast promo that's uh, what's on Joe Mind. It's it's the GI Joe podcast. I'm Gary and I'm Chuck. Hey, <laughs> yeah, those guys. Well, they have they have a bit at the end of the episode, and and you know they're just you know they they start off like sucking GI Joe's dick, and and they you know, they started on on Blanchard because of the Transformers love. And, you know, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. And, you know, they got this thing where they, they're like, well, if it wasn't for G.I. Joe, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't have Transformers. And I'm like... It's the other way around, isn't it? No, not really. But the thing I, I have a problem with that sort of argument is, like, it's like it's the argument that whatever came first must be better. And that's and the, the example that I threw back at them was, you know, if Tom Hanks didn't star in Bosom Buddies, he wouldn't have been in Private Ryan. Therefore... Bosom Buddies must be the superior product. Well, if if Tom Hanks has hadn't met Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg wouldn't have thought that Shia LaBeouf was the young Tom Hanks. Oh God! It's like it's like saying, "Hey, you know that Sega Genesis you love? Well, if it wasn't for the Master System, <laughs> it was it's like it, yeah. If it wasn't for some crappy card game, there wouldn't be a NES. Yeah, 
It's like, yeah, the Master System paved the way for the Genesis, but that's not a reason to like the Master System. If it wasn't for the ColecoVision, there wouldn't be an Xbox. Yeah, and the thing thing about G.I. Joe is that I think it's aged more poorly than Transformers. Yes, tra- Transformers has no continuity and is a mess and and all that, but it is. I still think it's a much more interesting and enjoyable cartoon just because it appeals to kind of the uh, the not really cyberpunk, but the you know the the tech the tech yeah the the future technology fantasy sort of thing. And the thing is, I can I can buy that sort of thing in Transformers, like when when Soundwave transforms from an eight ton robot to a two pound cassette recorder. I can I can accept that. When I see the exact same science in GI Joe in 1980s technology, I'm like, eh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm just like, really, you're saying that GI Joe is better than Transformers? Uh, okay, the Viper is coming. The uh, Viper will wipe your windows. Yeah, and uh, Serpentor. Cobra, and, uh, la, 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 la. Oh, and the battle android troopers, the bats, the the robots that were in season two. Oh yeah, because everyone likes robots, so tra- so GI Joe had to copy Transformers. Oh yes, but you know, back to the anime thing. It's yeah, it would it would be as foolhardy as to the 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 minister dismiss outright American animation. Simply because you saw ninety Spider Man, yeah. As much as you would dismiss anime, just because you saw uh, Naruto, yeah. Yes, I went there. <laughs> well, like I said, it it seems to be such a broad thing where it's not just one guy. It's like a whole bunch of people from today's perspective are looking at anime and saying, "Oh, it's this," and I'm like, "Actually, no." It really isn't, and you know, Cowboy Bebop had a huge appeal because Cowboy Bebop was all West. Everyone had Western oh. names and Western guns and Western this and Western that. And it basically is a Western series because that did it even do well in Japan? It did okay at best. Yeah, and then you have Voltron, which didn't do shit in Japan. And you had Big O, which flopped Japan and Cartoon Network. Yeah. Cartoon Network paid for a second season. Cartoon Network paid Sunrise for a second season. That's the thing I have to remind people. <laughs> That's how it happened. But those are the animes that I think are the best, or the ones where it's not—it's not like it's not culture. It's not culturally Japan. There's no Eastern uh, philosophy in it, like a lot of uh, like a lot of today's anime has. It's just like straight up sci-fi. And believe it. Yeah. Oh God damn it. <laughs> It's like there's nothing there's nothing really Japanese ask about uh, uh that's not even a word. But yeah, there's nothing about that in Macross, and Macross is like one of the best ones. Or a dirty pair. Oh yeah. Yeah, dirty pair is just for the perverts. <laughs> so it's just for you. Yeah. <laughs> like we're gonna Well, Dirty Pair has uh, Dirty Pair has much more appeal than that because not only is it for the perverts, but it's it's a comedy and it's like these two these two bimbos who are out to solve a crime, and they they end up killing everyone, including including the bad guys, and somehow it's never their fault. <laughs> That's true, and it, like I said, it's as soon as they start realizing they have to go back to that more globalized, more more sci-fi or even steampunk, you know, stuff that's not send Japan with Japanese honorifics, Japanese names, and all this. You have to yeah. keep all this there. The better the industry will be, but at the same time, they also you know. They have to 
they they make a shit ton of anime series right now anyways. I think the problem is they pick the wrong ones to import now. Yeah, I think they do. I think that's the biggest problem where they pick the wrong wrong ones to uh to uh to to you know bring here. Oh Neil, I got something to show you that's animation related that will get you uh get you really to flip your shit. Okay. Do you, do you remember the progressive commercials? Yeah. With the annoying lady? Uh, you mean like the... The one in the store, the insurance store? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Flo, I was trying to remember her name. This aired on TV. Sonic and Progressive. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even gotten to the video yet, and I'm already laughing. And the comment's like, why can't he talk? Do you really want him to? He'll be Urkel. Has it been Urkel for a while? Not for years. I I don't remember the last time Urkel did the voice. (laughs) Did that hurt? Not entirely. I like that they used the classic Sonic music in there. And that it was more cutesy because he didn't have Tude? Yeah, he didn't have Tude. Yeah, he is a bit more cutesy in this in this commercial. He's still the green-eyed Sonic. You know what? The green eyes aren't, aren't the biggest sin. <laughs> it's, it's that... It's really not. It's 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 the entire body type. They made him, like, super slender, and they made his they made his spikes on his head super long. And it just doesn't look right. It's like, I'm, I'm used to the, like, kind of pot-bellied Sonic that was smaller and was definitely made to be cuter. I don't know, I kind of like that he doesn't talk. I like the mute Sonic. <laughs> it's like when he opens his mouth, that's when he starts to jump the shark. When he starts throwing shit. Sonic's my name, it speeds my game. It's like, oh my god, shut the fuck Our up. Our weapons are useless. <laughs> oh, that, that's the most glorious part of that game. I just I just start up the game and just wait for that to happen. And I laugh hysterically. Our weapons are useless. Retreat. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So how's the Vita? Is it still dead in the water? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it could bounce back, you know, because the the DS the D the 3DS uh, started out slow and it bounced back, but you know. I still think that's kind of funny how it launched to a chorus of yawns. Oh, God. What? Oh, I'm just looking at this classic game room. It uh, has a review of a PS3 controller that's also a... It's it's like a little mini keyboard underneath the uh, the controls, and it kind of it kind of looks like the keyboard that's on, that's on phones nowadays so people can text. It's like the most ridiculous-looking controller ever. It, it's more ridiculous than the... Uh, than the Jaguar controller. But it actually looks kind of cool, too. Do you ever see the GameCube uh, 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 keyboard controller? No. Uh, hang on a sec. There, I saw the keyboard add-on for the PS3 controller. Yeah. You plug it in and it... This, I can't even imagine what you would use it for. It, it, I, I would, If I would ever own this, it would be strictly as a conversation piece. <laughs> hey, the Wii U controller looks about that big. Oh, jeez. Okay, and, you know, going back to G.I. Joe for a minute, I I just remember that this is the same cartoon that had Sergeant Slaughter come in. I mean, I mean, I kind of like Sergeant Slaughter, but still, I mean, that's like that's like R2-D2 and C-3PO showing up in Transformers. <laughs> oh, it, it would be like having a Mr. T Transformer. Yeah. Which doesn't and, sound too bad, actually. And by the way, this is the same Sergeant Slaughter who turned into an Iraqi sympathizer, and then took the big leg from Hulk Hogan. Oh, God. 